Hi, and welcome to another edition of ProBlind. I'm your host, Reed Howie. We want to always thank the folks down at the thrift shop for their generous annual grant to Grassroots that makes this and other programming possible. At ProBlind, we want to give an opportunity for you to get to know uh, the folks who are running for office a little bit better. And today we have the pleasure of uh, speaking with Bert Byron, who is running for city council. Hello, Bert. Well, Reed, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. Certainly. Yeah. So, um, you're running for city council. You've been on one four-year term, right? Correct, yeah. And want to be re-elected. So, one term wasn't enough? You, <laughs> you want to do it? You're signing up again, re-upping? There was a lot accomplished in the first term, but the uh, 35 days before the ballots went out, which is just a, a few days ago, a month or so ago, the uh, city manager resigned, and that's something that I ran on four years ago, and now uh, the opportunity has come up to, I think, move forward on something that I had wanted to do for three and a half years, and it just happened in the very end. Um, but that opens up an opportunity, I think, in the city going forward. So part of your campaign the first time was, let's get a new city manager? That was one of the change at the top, yeah. yeah. I think I, I spoke out for that, and... Um, Others knew my voice was there, so when the time came for that change, uh, they didn't need to count my vote. Right. Um, the same thing with the moratorium. When the time came for that, they knew they could count on my vote. So I'm sort of predictable. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so what um, of your agenda, what's left and what's new? The uh, What's remaining uh, is still at, at the uh, community balance, uh, the ratio of of community to resort. And I think there's a big group leaning in for the resort. The uh, chamber is paid to do that. The ski co is paid to keep the resort going. The money sort of flows to keep the resort going. And I look at my role as uh, the voice for the community, hmm. which doesn't have a paid uh, organization of right. people that go to work every day and say, this is what we're here for. We're right. here for the community. So that's what I was there for the past four years. Um, that's my filter for a lot of decisions at council, and that's how they come out different than, um, than others sometimes. So how did you find your way to this community? High school in Carbondale at CRMS. Oh, really? So uh, I finished high school, and then I've been away a couple times for school since, and here in Aspen ever since that. Wow. So, so you went to Car um, CRMS, CRMS and went away to school and came boarding back. Boarding student, yes, yeah, a yeah. boarding student. From where? Uh, Jackson Hall at the time. So I learned to ski in Jackson and uh, was here through high school, did a lot of telemarking at mm -hmm. Highlands when it was a separate mountain, and um, came back and worked for the airlines, actually, Rocky Mountain Airways, Continental Express back then Wow! in 1990. So I got to travel the world um, right out of uh, a college and always came back here. This is the place. So where were some um, of the more interesting places that you traveled? The, I think as a, the first things you, thing you do as a traveler is maybe pick things that you can navigate. So it was the English-speaking countries. You, mm -hmm. You'd start with Australia, uh, Great Britain, some of the places where you could fly. You knew how, how to speak. You knew how to get around. Right. And then you venture into places where you can't speak the language, but you can get around, which is pretty much the rest of Europe. And then you venture into places where you can't speak or read, but you know how to get around, like Japan. 
um, where you can't match the characters up, but you understand how subways work and you understand how mass right. transit works and how tiles work. And then eventually you end up in places where you can't, you can't navigate any of those things, uh, like Egypt or uh, Egypt, I guess, was the big one. Um, and you've been so, to all those places. Yeah, yeah. So I got to see a lot of that uh, right away with the uh, basically free airline mm -hmm. worldwide. So, so have you found that kind of informs years. your worldview that you bring back here? Or? Absolutely, yeah. it does. Uh, and I think community in all those places is, is what keeps everything going. So, mm -hmm. And that's the same thing here. People come to Aspen and they speak of the community um, versus leaving and just talking about the resort. So right. um, that's what our competitive advantage is, I think, over uh, so many other places is the community. If we lead on the community, I think everything else will follow, the resort yeah. will follow. And what do you define as the community? What, how, do, how does that work for you? Well, the community are the voters, yeah. uh, first and foremost. So the 2,500 people or so who show up and cast a ballot time in and time out are the deciding folks in the community. Mm -hmm. And usually they're 40% on one side and 40% on the other, and there's a group in the middle that sort of goes back and forth. So right. um, it's a really small, for a town that everyone in the world's heard of, it's a very small group of people who who changed the middle of those votes. Yeah. So. Well, help me understand, though, because you're saying that it's really important for you to preserve the community, mm -hmm. um, but let's put some definition on that. What is that? How do you know you have a community? It, it's, it, I think when you walk, whether it's you walk into the grocery store, city market, or you walk down the street, or you get on the gondola, or you, you're in line doing something, um, you don't get a block or two without seeing someone that you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's not the case in many places. So if you go to Vail, it's a whole different feel. Um, if you walk through Disney World or Disneyland, uh, it's a whole different feel as a guest. Right. Um, but here, even the guests who come back year in, year out, you might see people once a year and they're here and they recognize you and you recognize them. Right. So. What I'm hearing is that the scale of things is is important. Is that fair to say? I think the scale, but more importantly, the ratio. So okay. if the ratio of uh, people here uh, doesn't include people that are locals, um, that ratio could be zero. Unfortunately, it's not zero. Um, other places, it is zero. Nobody lives in, in at Disney. So the ratio so of guests of to... Of locals to guests. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of people who are here to guests. And I think that, that ratio is critical. It's the conversations you have um, out at the bar at night, it's the conversations you have on, on the lift, it's the conversations you have just as you're wandering around town. So. So, so in your four years, how do you think you've done with working on that ratio? It's, that ratio is tough. Yeah. E even leaning into it is, um, is, is a difficult thing because it's expensive. The expensive part of that ratio is uh, is housing uh, for the community, mm -hmm. and the first thing the resort wants to give on is housing for that community. So, uh, before my time, the art museum was built, and it was built with zero affordable housing as a one of the. There's a waiver and a loophole in this city to let you do that. So that's code. The code is allows that, and the question is going forward: Do we want to eliminate that loophole, that piece of code that has? zero employees from the art museum uh, covering housing, or basically the art museum covering zero housing for employees. Yeah. 
yet employees live there, live in our housing, which displaces other, uh, other businesses who are mitigating. So it's unfair to those who have to mitigate when you have others who have a, a zero requirement. Mm -hmm. So, but we, I think, need to continue to increase our lean in to um, increasing those requirements. What do you think they should be? Well, our social policy is that you can stay here and retire, which I think is very important. Uh, it, the, if you've been here and this is the community you built and you uh, want to retire in your, in your housing, that's uh, something I strongly support. I think it, that then justifies the, the need to be over 100% because it, if you look at a workforce for anything and then you look at the retired workforce for that same entity or same space, square footage, it's going to be more than more than 100%. It's right. more than all the people that are working there. Yeah. So getting from here to there, it might take a 1% phase in per year to get to say, you can't shock the market and, and say it's 100% tomorrow from 65, which is where we are now. And we did a 5% increase while I was on can the past five years. So that's or four years on council, so that's maybe acceptable, a step. a step. But instead of our 5% increase in the past four years, it maybe should have been just 1% a year, so it continues to chug along. Mm -hmm. um, so there are things like that. And we're, we have done a few things where we've had phased them in versus all at once. Yeah. So, so are these proposals that you initiated? The, one of them is the uh, phase out of commercial space. It's sort of a technical thing, but the, I'll describe it a little bit. When people would level something like the Wiener's tube, uh, they would take that square footage that was built previously and they would get a credit for that when they built the new building that's enormous there. And they wouldn't have to build housing going forward. Uh, and that for that for portion that, that for was that portion, already there. Right. So if that building was uh, 5,000 square feet and you're building 50, for that 10% that you're building, you don't even count that when you calculate your new numbers. Okay. And uh, that was something I initiated. The phase out of it is, is sort of deep in the code, but it's, uh, it's supported by the rest of council on that past. Um, and that's phased out, I think, over maybe 15 yeah. years or so. So, yeah, those are code amendments that legislation that sort of helps preserve our community. Right. Um, but it's deep in the, in the land use code. Yeah, it's so. fairly technical, but it has a policy implication. And Right. And is, is, that, is that where you get the most, what do you get out of being on council? <laughs> I mean, how is I, it a joy or a pleasure for you or satisfying? I think it's, it's satisfying because it's a place I decided to call home. So when I had a choice to be pretty much anywhere in the world, this is where I chose to be. Um, you don't really get that choice when you're in high school and before so your parents control that or someone else controls that. Where were you born? Your parents, everyone else controls that. Finally, when you finish college, you have this opportunity to choose your own destiny, and I chose this as my destiny. And it's where I want to be. Mm -hmm. uh, and so how do, how do you make it the best it can be? How do you make it a place where you do uh, bump into people and talk to people who are really here as part of a community? Right. But how does being so, on council then be satisfying? I mean, the things process like that, of the being process the, of being able to move a code amendment like that yeah. um, is, is very satisfying. Um, because I know that code amendment will be there as it incrementally steps up uh, for a long time. Mm -hmm. And the impacts that that will have is delivering more community to our to Aspen versus the uh, resort. Yeah. It's still the ratios were sliding backwards. Every single day we slide backwards. 
So it's just a question of how, how I can slow that down. We'll never get to zero. We'll never get to a treading water. We're right. still sinking. Uh, the question is how, how fast we're sinking. So I'm working <laughs> on trying to slow that sinking down. That, that should not be on your button. No, <laughs> but it is. It is slowing the Titanic. <laughs> it is. It is what's going on, and well, it's yeah. uh, it's a difficult thing if you to lean into, and if people have to, you have to work hard. The easy thing to coast is just to let it. And I think in general in politics, the easy thing to do is is to um, steal from the future and give to the present. And one of the things I'm constantly trying to do is taking from the present and giving to the future. And mm -hmm. my decisions then come out differently um, with that sort of filter. Right. Are you able to bring along two other votes? I have. Like for that one, there were yeah. that was a code amendment that I brought along other votes. Uh, sometimes I have to go to the voters to get the other votes. Uh -huh. But... Uh, uh, there was a referendum right when I ran four years ago that I had to go to the voters. It was opposed by everybody on council. Um, the, and what was that? It was Ref 1 at the time, um, which just meant it was the first referendum of right. the year. And what it did is it took away the uh, final authority of council to waive uh, housing, parking, okay. height, and mass. Basically the four things that council was giving to developers every time. And so the easiest thing of those four to give to developers was housing, a waiver, because it doesn't come on the city books. It doesn't go off the city books. When someone walks by the building, they don't see if there was housing mitigated or not. So the first thing often off the uh, top with a negotiation between the city and the developer was housing. And plus it's expensive. Plus it's expensive. So yeah. it's a lot of money that, um, that could be waived and it didn't come in our, on our books or off our books. And mm -hmm. so it was often that happened. And so I, the voters said, if council can still waive housing or those other three things, but if they do, then it needs a check-in from the voters. Okay. So in the past four years, there have been zero applications in those zones that rely solely on uh, the referendum one to go to the voters. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a issue now at the voters, but there's some other there's some public land and other things involved in it. But it wasn't purely a ref one okay. referral. So what's happened is the uh, shortly after that happened, the uh, council passed a moratorium and then rewrote the code. And REF1 allows the council to write any code we, we want or whoever is on council wants. So the council could say there's no housing requirement, there's a 100% housing requirement. But whatever they write, whatever council writes, is applicable to everybody in that zone rather than the previous process, which was you write it and then you negotiate something at yeah. every, every, uh, with every applicant. So, that you, so your sense is that that made the code requirement where it stops as opposed to where, where you the start conversation the starts. Yeah, it does. And it gives the code teeth. So it gives the council the backbone to actually say, this is what we mean, and yeah. we actually mean it. And if we don't mean it, we'll change it for everybody. We're not just going to change it for one. Right. Because it's very difficult when you spend the time in the room with the applicants, you start to like the people you hang out with. And as you start to like them, you want to give them things. And that's what was always the gift that was given, was, was more height, more mass, less parking, and less housing. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So that's been, that was a huge fix. Um, How much time do you think to, it takes to be a, uh, a town councilman? I mean, there's the meetings, but what else? What is, how all-consuming is it? 
<laughs> well, I wish you asked the question of how much time it takes to run an election during a uh, while you're on council because well, it's 100% of my consuming. time right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's 100% of the time. Yeah. Uh, during council, it's probably 20 hours a week. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe a little less. It depends. We meet uh, twice a week. We meet uh, Mondays and Tuesdays almost every week of the year. There's a few weeks at the end we aren't. And then we add in a couple of meetings uh, to those on uh, later in the week, maybe mm -hmm. once a month, uh, for a snow mass meeting, joint meeting with a county, um, or something like that. So. And then, do you work outside of being a council member? I do. I have a real estate license, so I've been on council about um, 15 quarters. Yeah. Almost 16 quarters, but 15 quarters, and closed on listings, real estate listings, about a million dollars a quarter in the past 15 quarters. Oh, okay. So that I've listed. Not so much on the uh, sales side, but on the listing side. Yeah. So about a million dollars a quarter each quarter. It's interesting to, to be speaking to someone who is a realtor <laughs> and then also taking a, a pretty hard line position on council. It is, and I'm a licensed attorney as well uh, in Colorado. And so I, but I truly believe that the without our competitive advantage is the community. And without mm -hmm. the community, it's just another another resort, which right. Vail owns plenty of, and there's plenty of those out there. And we can't compete on the um, on just a pure resort level. We can compete because we have a community. It's interesting because then it's so, a sort of economic argument for no growth. Or I wouldn't grow. say grow. I'd say no. I'd say it's an economic argument for the ratios. Yeah. The ratio needs to be enough people that are living here relative to the, the guests right. that uh, it feels like there's community here. Great. And I don't know exactly what the ratio is. It's not zero. It's not 100% because there would be no guests then. Mm -hmm. But it's somewhere in between. Yeah. Um, so we need to figure out really what the 2012 AACP suggested doing a build-out study. Figure out what... Uh, what Aspen will Translate look like. Translate that for me. So what does uh, Aspen Area Aspen. Community Plan. Okay. So the community plan is something everyone puts together, the Aspen Area Community Plan. The community puts together where do we want to go? Right. What's sort of a big picture of where we want to go going forward? And one of the things in there they was removed was a fixed housing requirement of 65% or 60% a percentage they had and, it, and then replaced with uh, paragraph or two that said, let's figure out what it looks like when we're finished, if we ever get finished. Where do we want to be? And then maybe we can figure out what works from that. And so my goal is, and I didn't get it on this past four years, um, we have a top ten list usually that we work on. This year, this four years, it became a top nine list because mine did I've not heard get about in this there. List. <laughs> so my top nine, tenth one was on the list the night before, and then the following day, the rest of council, the majority council, nixed it. But what I wanted on there was a carrying capacity discussion and a ratios discussion. So if we're going to build some dams, if we're going to build a new hospital, if we're going to build, build whatever we're doing, how do we know how much we need? And that we don't really have that conversation. We use uh, some state data or some jobs data from the past, and we use different numbers depending on what we're trying to justify. So if we're trying to justify doing something like we need a lot of water, we use one set of numbers. And if we're trying to justify that we don't have a lot of growth, so we don't need to build more traffic lanes, if that's the logic behind it, then we use a different set of numbers. And I think we need to look at the whole big picture and just count, partner with the county and Snowmass and say, what do you need up Valley, the intercept lot, to sustain a resort, to sustain a community? 
and then partner with Snowmass and the county up this portion of the county and treat it almost as one from mm -hmm. the intercept lot up. And so if you build a hotel, a limelight hotel in Snowmass, you mitigate employees at the same rate as the city does. And if you build something in the county that's up valley of that, you mitigate at the same rate. So there's not this, this artificial lines around uh, spaces where you might have a different jurisdiction. Just get everyone on the same page in the uh, drainage up valley of the intercept and um, go from there. Do you find your fellow elected officials from other jurisdictions to be interested in that? Uh, Patty Clapper is a co-chair of my campaign. Yeah. Uh, the county actually did a build-out study recently. So they published a study that said, here's what our this county might look like uh, right. when, we're, when it's full, based on the current code. So they just took the current code and fast-forward, and here's what we could do. Yeah. Um, I haven't looked at that. It was just a recent publication. I haven't gone through it, but it's, I've heard that it's frightening. Mm -hmm. because it just shows how much more uh, there is out there that's just there by right. Uh, and if we don't lean into the community side and have mitigation that matches to keep our us here, um, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. So, but I think we're all in it as one uh, sort of up valley of the intercept lot, if, uh, which is a different thought than I think everyone using the, doing their own jurisdictions. So, well, but it's, it does bring up this interesting kind of, to me, conversation mm -hmm. of, is Aspen a neighborhood within a larger community? Mm -hmm. Is it a standalone community? And, and I find it interesting to hear you saying, or if I'm correctly listening to this, interpreting it as everything up from the intercept lot is interconnected. It is. There's a free bus system between the Snowmass and Aspen now, thanks to uh, Tony Kronberg, who recognized there was a free bus from Aspen to the Intercept and from the Intercept to Snowmass, but nobody was telling anyone that you could actually do the two rides mm -hmm. in sequence. And if you did them as a one ticket, you used to actually pay to ride from Aspen to Snowmass. If you did them as two rides in sequence, you got it for free. Right. That now has been is funded by the EOTC and it's actually recognized and promoted as a free transit between yeah. the two. So I think we are Snowmass and Aspen are very interconnected. People stay in one, ski in the other, stay in one, dine in the other, um, and live in one and work in another. So right, but the, um, you can also put basalt in that. You know, basalt a little bit. Um, Snowmass, I think more so because uh, they they've got a. A housing program, affordable housing program. Now they're a little bit uh, more defensive on their housing program. They put everyone outside of Snowmass in as a second tier in the lotteries for their their housing. Um, we do not do that. So if you live in Snowmass Village and you want to bid in housing funded by the city of Aspen, you don't come second. But if you live in the city of Aspen and you want to bid on housing that's funded by the city of Snowmass, you come second. Mm -hmm. So we don't really play completely well together. Right. But we, I think, are all, should all be on the same yeah. field. Um, so, Well, those are fairly intense conversations. I mean, what do you do to relax and, and <laughs> get, enjoy this community that you've picked and love? I ski. So we, uh, I just got off the mountain uh, just before I came in today. Um, before that, I was working on election stuff. So today, mm -hmm. um, it's... I, I think I try to get out and enjoy the resort as much. It's right in our backyard. The resort yeah. is here, and um, I think the outdoors are probably the most enjoyable part to me. Yeah. So. 
Are you still telemarking? I still have my, I sent my Asola boots in from high school to uh, whoever does the resoling. Uh -huh. I had them resold, optimistically thinking I would go three-pinning again at Buttermilk one of these days, and I have not been out in, since, but I, it's on my list. Well, I have to confess, so. and this is your show, not mine, <laughs> that um, I, I threw away my Alpine gear 15 years ago Okay. to force me to keep telemarking because uh -huh. I was getting to this point where I'd go to the garage and say, oh, I'm skiing with so-and-so, we're going to do the bowl. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm not doing it on my telemark skis, so I just got rid of my Alpine stuff. Yeah, uh, that's, the, that's exactly what's been the barrier for me to get back to. Right. And I demoed some of the newer, uh, newer stuff, and it felt more like Alpine skiing almost. It didn't have the whole, so... It's the still feel there, but of you the, have a whole lot of control. You have a lot now. more control, right? Yeah, you, so, you didn't. Yeah. So okay. I'll, I might get back to it again. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I've asked you kind of the questions I wanted, you know, of why did you run? What do you get out of it? Mm -hmm. How do you relax? What do you love about the community? And, and let me ask you, what would you, if, if you're reelected, you get four more years. Yeah. Um, no time off for good behavior. Um, <laughs> and then what, what would you like to see at the end of that four years? Uh, if I could wave a magic wand and I had didn't either I had automatic agreement from a majority council or I could just decide some things. Uh, one of them would be phasing out the discount that we have for affordable housing for all developers, and it might be phased out at one or two percent a year until it's. Uh, and you're calling out the discount the lack of a hundred percent. The lack of a hundred percent. So right. I think the framing of it right now is completely wrong. We have a sixty-five percent mitigation ratio, which means you might mitigate for 65 out of 100 employees. Right. Instead, I think that should be phased as a, phrased as a 35% discount. Yeah. And so anyone who walks in the door, we automatically give a discount to, yet we're in a crisis. It doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and we have a policy that is, which is a good one, to house the retirees that have made the community the place that we want to move to. Um, if they've, not for them, there'd be this not a place we want to move to. Right. So uh, that, that's something I think over time that needs to be phased out. And it yeah. might be 1% a year, and it might take uh, 20 years, 30 years. And if it takes that, it doesn't upset the real estate market, which is I'm somewhat concerned about. I don't want to have something that just shocks the market. Mm -hmm. um, and it will give people time if they want to. Uh, do something today or in five years without uh, suddenly being 100%. So that, I think, would be success. It would last much longer than, than the four years I'd be there. Um, and I think just conveying that, that whole concept to the rest of the community and council that the caring capacity. What, what, where do we want to be when, we, when we're full? Mm -hmm. um, do we want it to be half residents, half uh, visitors? Do we want it to be 1% residents, 99% visitors? And somewhere in there, I think, is the conversation that we haven't had yet. So okay. I'd like to look at that build out and see and have a plan of where are we going? Um, how do we get there? Uh, that'd be my goal. Okay. So. Bert, it's been great talking with you, and, and we're out of time. <laughs> but I really appreciate the conversation. and. Thank you. It flies by. Thanks much. All right. And thank you all for watching. Hope this has been helpful. This concludes another session of ProBlind.